That was very powerful, very courageous. And uh, I'll tell you, this is where God makes your mess the message. And uh, so I just want to thank you both so, so much for sharing your hearts with us. And of course, it's always great to have our elder up here and to address some very present concerns as we have a few weeks away before we need to figure out how we're going to continue to meet together. But we will find a way and God is going to provide. So I'm going to summarize very quickly the majority of my message. We're going to continue our theme. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, and I think one of the great examples of someone who lived this principle out was the father of our faith, Abraham. You know, you can find him both, obviously, in the Genesis account and in Hebrews. And the main thing we learn about Abraham, which is very cool for all of us, is it's not like there was anything about him that the scriptures say of why God chose him. It just, God chose him. He didn't earn it. There's no comments. You know, even with Noah, there was at least comments, here's someone that, that obeys. But with Abraham, there's no background except that God just simply called him, just as he's called us. And so it takes away that whole performance about being a child of God. It's, it's not about you, it's about him and how much he's willing to fight for us. And if you go through the Genesis account, you're going to see some amazing things that God calls Abraham to obey, particularly the first one. Go. I mean, that must have been weird because up to that point, there was no relationship with God. And all of a sudden, this voice comes to Abraham. Hey, Abraham, go. And he went. Now, obviously, as you read the rest of the Genesis account, you see the amazing promises that he made to Abraham. Abraham, through you, there will be like the sands of the seashore and the stars of the heaven, a legacy of God's people. Now, that would be great if you're like 30 years old and you hear that, but how about when you're in your 90s and your wife is in the 90s and there's, hasn't been able to bear a child and you're like, what? And then you see all the different commands that God would call Abraham to obey. And the question you have to ask is, what motivated Abraham to obey? The promises. See, I think so often, guys, when we face commands... A lot of us will will white-knuckle it, we'll do our best, but we're losing the true motivation that will help us obey. See, God showed Abraham time and time again, even when Abraham wasn't always faithful. You know, he's the father of our faith, but if you just read the account, Abraham failed a lot. He lied twice about his wife, half lie because it was half his sister. Then when even he was promised that through his wife, Sarah, he would have a legacy, he goes and has a child with Hagar. So even though Abraham wasn't always for God, God was always for Abraham. Time and time again, he continued to fill his promises. But see, just like us, guys, we've been given blessings and promises, and the problem is a lot of us don't even know them. Like if I was to ask you a scripture about a certain sin, you could probably show me right away. Oh, yeah, I mean, Galatians 5 hits most of them, so, you know, we can get that one. But if I were to ask you for some specific promises that might help you obey a specific command, could you find it? These promises are so important. And that's what we're going to learn very quickly, is we're going to look at just one passage, Genesis chapter 22. See, God showed himself being for Abraham. But in order for Abraham to show that he was for God, he was going to need to be tested. 
So hereafter, God fulfilled the promise through Sarah. They had a son, Isaac. And we take over the story here in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, so just, just let that sink in for a minute. Sometime later in your life, we will be tested. It's part of being a son or daughter of God. Now, see, we don't know we're being tested, though. That's the problem. God, from his perspective, goes, I'm testing. From Satan's perspective, it's, I'm tempting. And from our perspective, it's a trial. Right? But, man, if we could look at everything from God's perspective, that's only a test, not to pass or fail alone, but to be stronger. And now the lights are going out. Does that mean I'm done? What's going on? It's like, wow, this is a real short sermon today. So God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Now, was that his only son? But it was the only son of the promise. See, we can get a lot of things outside of God's promises. God doesn't count those. The things you think are so important that you want, God doesn't count those because they're not a part of his plan for you. They're not the part of his promises for you. He says, you're one and only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, which that's a very interesting thing, as we'll see later some parallels. Moriah is actually the area where ultimately we see in Chronicles, Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. So this is that same area. We'll get back to that, why that's important. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. That's it. No other explanation. No other details. Just go. Take your son, go, sacrifice. How would you have done with that? But here's the key. Why would he obey it? If there had been no previous promise of God that through Sarah, his seed would produce a legacy of God's people. If that promise had never come, how would have Abraham handled that command? I don't think he would have done it. See, this is why the promises of God are so important. That The way Abraham reasoned is, well, this is what God promised And even though this command makes no sense whatsoever, the faith of the promise motivated his obedience. I think if we look at the commands that we have a problem obeying, our real issue is a lack of faith in a promise that would help us. Let's see how Abraham responded. It's a marriage. Early the next morning. When you're going to obey God, you don't wait. You do it. Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. You notice two servants? Where were they going? To the mount? With a sacrifice? Did you see any parallels yet? Kind of interesting. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to the servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship And then we will come back to you. Did you catch that? What did God command him to go do? So he's going to go up to the mountain and he's going to have to sacrifice him. That means stab, 
bleed them out, burn them on the offering. And yet what does Abraham say to his servants? We will come back. Whoa! Abraham took the word for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Good question. I'm sure uh, Isaac, even in his young age, knew that God called Abraham to do some crazy stuff. So uh, I'm sure he's like reading between the lines like, hey, what's going on here? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. For did not he provide Isaac? It was not through Abraham or Sarah's ability. Even their son was provided by God. But God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told about, Abram built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. We'll stop there for a minute. How would you have done with that command? See, I think we need to realize how important the promises of God are to our obedience. Now, when you refer back to the Hebrews, when it explains why Abraham believed, is it says because he believed in the resurrection of the dead. Which, up to this point in the context and chronology of the New Old Testament, no one had ever been resurrected. There was no example, no story, no reason For Abraham to believe that was even possible. So how did he believe? Because he believed the promise. So even when the command may have made no sense whatsoever, he obeyed. See, I think our issue is not a lack of obedience all the time. I think it's our lack of faith in the promises of God. He's like, okay, this is my only son. And that that I got from you. My wife was past childbearing age. I was too old to sire. And here you gave us the son. And you promised me that through him. Because he even asked in a moment of weakness, can you bless me through my other son? And God said, no, that's not the son of promise. So he's like, well, if you promise that it's through him, but I kill him, how can you fulfill that promise? You're true to your word. So the only possible option is I kill him and you must have to bring him back. That was the faith, but it came because of the promise. And I believe we would not have obeyed either without that promise. Now, of course, you have to put yourself in Isaac's shoes, too. What in the world are you doing to me, Dad? Now, we don't see any apparent struggle. It's not recorded if there was. I'm sure if I was Isaac, I would have struggled. Like, I'm faster than this 100-year-old guy. Come on. I'm out of here. Right? I mean, wouldn't you be like, see, Dad? You said the Lord will provide. But maybe he learned something watching Abraham and Sarah that even when we do crazy things that God calls us to, that we should obey. I mean, what if Isaac, hearing that, just go, well, if God said it, okay. 
Wow. How, how, how many of you have been inspired by a child that would obey and trust not only God, but their father? And as he saw that knife being raised, he too learned a valuable lesson. The power of God's promise. And the call that if we're going to be for God, we must obey. You know, the story we know continues, and God does spare him. Abraham, Abraham! Probably because at 100 years old, his hearing was going down. He needed to hear it twice. (laughs) And of course, the Lord did provide as there was a ram caught in a thicket. That must have been an interesting conversation with Isaac as he untied him and then offered the sacrifice. That was something that was probably put into Isaac's mind and heart for the rest of his life. See, guys, sometimes our kids are going to think we're crazy about our faith. Good. (laughs) Because Abraham was. And when you look at the story of Isaac, there's not too many bad things about Isaac's life. He learned something from his father and from his mother. He learned that the promises of God are so real, so true, that even death can't stop them. How are we with the promises of God? But I love that God fulfills this promise even in this act. Do you see all the parallels to what would happen thousands of years later on this same place in the area of Moriah where the temple of Jerusalem would later be built? Let's just look quickly through these parallels. Abraham and Isaac, the area of Moriah, Jesus is sacrificed near Moriah where Jerusalem is. He takes a donkey. Jesus enters the city on a donkey. Isaac carries the wood. Jesus carries the cross. I forgot to add, how many people were walking with Jesus with the cross? Two. How many servants with Abraham and Isaac? Two. Both mention the third day. Both of the sacrifice ask, Father, as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Isaac was bound. Jesus was nailed to the cross. There was no apparent struggle in the story of Isaac. Jesus willingly goes to the cross. The ram was provided. Jesus is the sacrificial ram. Isaac lived. Jesus is resurrected. God was already foreshadowing his promise not only to Abraham, but to all of us. Do you see, just like we've learned from Draw the Circle, prayers never die. Nor do God's promises. So I don't know about you. I hope that starts to get you excited to go, man, I need to know the promises of God. Every command, there's a promise that could help you fulfill it. I mean, think of even one of the commands we all know as disciples. Go and make the disciples of all nations, right? What's the promise in that? I will be with you always. And there's other promises, because part of what makes us nervous to go make disciples is what? I don't know what to say. That's why Jesus promised to his apostles, do not worry about what to say, the Spirit will give you the words. That's a promise. See, we believe that promise, and we go, I don't know what to say, but God promised it would come, so I'm going. You can look at every command. There's a promise that will help you fulfill it. And see, I think that's what Satan does, is he gets us to focus on all the wrong scriptures. The ones that just condemn us. And they're there. They're not going anywhere. Okay? Sin is real. We saw the story of the Parkers. Sin is real and it's destructive. But the Bible is not full of condemnation. It's full of deliverance from freedom in Christ. 
but we got to have the promises. So what does this mean for us today? God was for Abraham time and time again, even when he failed, even when he was faithless. But he tested Abraham. Let me see if he's really for me. Let me ask him to sacrifice the thing he loves most. And if he believes my promise, Abraham passed that test. Abraham showed he was for God. Do you realize the same is true for us? God is for us. He has given us so many promises. Let's close with this passage, 2 Peter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious commands. No, promises. So that through them, not the commands, through the promises, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He's given us the promises. So that every command that we're given will be that much more empowered and enabled to obey. I want you to leave today and write this down for yourself. I'm not going to ask you to say it. What is one of the hardest commands for you to obey right now? Whatever it may be. Maybe it's, it's simply a command to go and make disciples. That you're just There's a fear that there's a cowardice that you're trying to overcome. Maybe it's just you feel inadequate or insecure, but maybe that's the command. Then you've got to start looking up every promise that God says, I am with you and you need to stop worrying and I will answer because I am for you. And all you have to show God to be for him is to trust that promise and obey that command. It's really that simple. Trust that promise and obey that command. Maybe your command is purity. God says, be holy as I am holy, and you're just having a really hard time being pure. Then don't just look up all the scriptures about impurity. Look up the promises God gives you, where he says, I will make you holy. That's a promise. That's not just a statement. Oh, I'll make you holy, hopefully. No, it's, I will make you holy. If you're trying to make yourself holy, you're not letting God fulfill the promise. You're trying to fulfill the promise. It won't work. You try to get the son outside of the promise, he doesn't even count it. He had another son, but God didn't count it because it was outside of God's will, God's promise. Whatever the command is for you, write it down. I want you this week to look up every possible promise and start believing it, saying it out loud, praying that promise, even calling on God, you promised, you promised. And I have a feeling you're going to have victory. There are things that stand against us, but when we trust and obey, they can't be successful against us. God is for us. He has shown that time and time again. He has given us everything we need for a godly life. Nothing can stand successfully against us. Like Abraham, we too can be for God by simply doing these two things. Trust his promises, and obey his commands. If God is for us, then just trust and obey. And with that, we are dismissed. Amen.